This is Shaka Wart Speak. I don't know why I'm stalling. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let me just, let me just. Um, it's the crowd today. I know it is the crowd. That's what it is. Um, hey, welcome to Shaco Art Speak. Hey, everybody. It's Dr. Snack Smell. Hey, what's up? And he's trying to eat healthy so he doesn't smell like snacks, which is a total <laughs> bummer. Yeah. He, anyhow. I don't get snacks. He ate a hard-boiled egg earlier, which is what I'm supposed to be eating as well. But yeah, I didn't was, make any. It was good, but That's it was not. That's not the least smelly snack. Hey, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're true. True. I you just said it up. Part. I have to say it. I was telling him earlier, my office at on campus is in like an old closet. This is... I've tried to make look less closet, but it's still a closet. It's got two doors, two different directions in and out. And one's covered by a bookshelf because I love bookshelves. And um, I eat eggs, because arboled eggs, because that's how I've been able to, you know, just dial things back. And uh, the horror <laughs> of discovering how much in a small space <laughs> eggs smell like I've been passing gas in there. And there's no, like, you, every time I open my door, I feel self-conscious. self-conscious like there's no end. So I'm just like, do I tell them? <laughs> you just need a little just pile eggs? of eggshells on your desk. I'm going to be honest with you. Just so I think know. five out of seven times I said, hey, just so you know, I was eating a hard-boiled egg in here and I've showed people my trash can because I cannot handle the idea that someone just thinks I'm in there in a closed door, <laughs> hot boxes, passing gas in my, like, I just can't handle it. I'm like, this is Tara, it was not professional. People are like, oh, Ryan, this isn't your studio. <laughs> yeah. You can't just do whatever you want. You can't. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm going to start sneezing <laughs> also. Um, like clockwork. <clears throat> so anyhow, yeah. Well, I forget why we were talking about that. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't <laughs> it's matter. It's brain debris. It's always what it is. Well, one of my favorite paintings in the current show has a fried egg in it. It is so great. I, I know that there is a, there's a through thread here. Yeah. There's and a I bought thread. a fried egg painting last year, and that painting is also really good. So I'm like, do I need to collect egg art? <laughs> It's just, this is and the cool thing about egg art is you don't get the smell, yeah, associated with but eggs in particular states of affairs. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not opposed to it. Yeah. You can't have the one that I got though. That's true. So I'm I guess sorry. I'll have to find a different dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't have a single egg painting, so <laughs> I guess I'm the weird one here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so what are we? What are we? Uh, what are we doing today? Aside from talking, aside from me airing out my dirty laundry, as far as my. Um, well, the cool thing is, you, uh, if you're a long-time listener, you, there's a voice that you recognize, but you may not be able to put your finger on it. Yep. So we got Sam Taylor with us. Thanks so much for coming to be a part of this. I'm glad to hang out with you all. This is yeah. a curator at Shaco Art Space. We've had Sam on the past, and mm -hmm. I had a nickname for Sam, and it's escaping me. Oh, my gosh. I guess you'll have to make up a new one, Ryan. Okay, I'll think about it. I had a great <laughs> nickname for Sam, though. It was self -assigned. No, I heard that. I heard you, that episode. It was like the gentle... Oh, oh Yes. Oh. The soft grappler. That was the, it. Soft, <laughs> the soft grappler. She yes, knew what it was the whole time. You knew it the whole time. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> she's, thank you, Rachel. <laughs> she has notebooks at her house that she's been writing soft grappler on. Sam <laughs> Taylor, the soft grappler. Yeah, you do that. Hardcore. <laughs> it's so good. It's, I, don't, I don't know if Sam's happy about this now or mad. I can't tell if yeah. she's happy about this at all. Well, You'll find out when she starts grappling later <laughs> yeah. intellectually in the conversation with you. Yes, it'll be very soft. It'll be soft. <laughs> you won't know that you've just been taken out. Yeah. <laughs> Fatality. That's right. Here's what I love. Our other guest. Yes. Actually landed the plane and assisted us in uncovering this nickname. So it's wonderful. And it is great because uh, I would say, Rachel, you're a soft grappler as well. 
you uh, you do much of the same sort of thing that Sam does. We're like you're having a, a conversation, and then you throw a haymaker that nobody sees coming. Yeah, and you, you do it in a way where you're just like, "What? Hold on, let's go back to that." Wait, so what did you say? <laughs> yeah, then you're like, "Whoa!" And that's kind of how your paintings are too. Like yes. you can walk up on a painting, and then you think you're just um, you're just looking at an intimate, small scale painting, and then the painting starts grappling you. Yes, it starts 100%. to like push you around and do things. And I love that. I love that yes. like flip mm-hmm. a lot. So, um, so Rachel Jeffers is mm-hmm. with us today and, um, Sam has curated this show. Sam, what say a little bit about the show real quick, and then we'll do a, a, a fuller, or if you want to do a little bit of an introduction to Rachel as well. Um, um, yeah. Um, so I think I'll let Rachel t- tell us more about, um, kind of the background and everything. I don't do a bio, but as far as, um, I've been thinking through this show um, as firstly as a wonderful treat um, for painters and appreciators of painting. Um, And I say that with the the sensitivity and the composition of the images on a formal perspective and then also just the um, evident love uh, in and through the material, um, for the material itself and through to the subject. Um, And then in surprising ways, uh, the materials handling subjects that um, you might be surprised to find as vessels of love, um, like leftovers in the fridge or fried eggs um, and Mm -hmm. various smelly things of that sort, (laughs) but also very beautiful things um, like flowers, um, but desentimentalized. So so yeah, so soft, unassuming, but definitely grappling. Grappling with a firm, a firm grasp. Yeah, like a, a meatiness. Um, and so we'll get to like the, the show on the back end a little bit too. So I think it's a good, good kind of intro and we'll get to the um, nocturne and what's going on there. And um, uh, we'll, we'll kind of culminate the conversation camped out on the paintings themselves and we'll, we'll talk about painting. But we always like to do um, a little bit of a bio intro. And so, um, so we're so glad to have you, Rachel. Yeah. Thanks and, for being here. Um, we've been looking forward to all of this for a, a very long time. Like there's like a COVID pause. Mm-hmm. Then there was, we lost the space across the street for a time and, and just finding the right time and finding the right time for you in terms of, um, feeling like you had the work and had the, the time to, to produce what 60 something. I mean, you produce well mm-hmm. over 60 paintings. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. In a, in a, you know, large space. So this is a, a huge solo show and your first solo show in Richmond. Yes. Yeah. So kind of a, you know, big breakout debut show, which we were really thrilled and honored to be that space for you. Um, so welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank welcome. you for having me. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we like to kick it off in always, as we were saying earlier to you, just to love to hear a little bit about, um, like how you got into painting? Like how did you get into art making? Um, yeah, I I was always gonna be an artist. That's what mm. I always said. I don't remember when I first made that decision. That's just what I said I was gonna be. I'm pretty persistent just in my personality. And I think once I commit to something, that's that's the end. I'm, I'm committed and I'm gonna do it. Um, so it was just what, what I was always gonna do. I think the way that I process the world and the way I process my experiences has a lot to, you know, it's through the senses. Yeah. I kind of have to filter everything in and then and then back out through my hands. Mm-hmm. And so this is just the way that I experience the world and the way that I think through my yeah. experiences. That's interesting. Did you did you so when you were, you know, younger, it was like, had you seen okay, because I was that person. So I always want to be an artist. 
And it's weird for me to think about it now because certainly when I was like four and five, I had no idea like what mm -hmm. that meant. Mm -hmm. But I had some kind of conception and I'm mm -hmm. like, for the life of me, I don't really know where right. it came from, but I've always said I want, and, and every, hey, what do you want to be? I want to be an mm -hmm. artist. Yeah. No, I, well, I grew up in Tennessee um, outside of Nashville. At the time it was really rural and we didn't, there was not much awareness of what art was or, you know, any kind of art world um, where I grew up, but I was born in New Orleans and my grandparents lived there my whole life. And my favorite thing to do um, was when I would go spend a couple of weeks with them in the summer. Um, and I think they were very much, they kind of embodied this New Orleans spirit. Mm -hmm. um, my grandfather loved art. He collected art from like local artists, mm. or if he traveled to another country, he would get some kind of local art, you know, from there. So he was really proud of his art collection. And, and my grandmother too, they, there was something about the way that they curated their mm. lives and the, the way that they intentionally interacted with people. Um, she was, she was just such a beautiful person and focused on, um, nurturing beauty, like mm. in every way. And, and they were just like my favorite people to spend mm. time with. And that was my favorite place to be. So I think, I'm sure that was a big part of it, just seeing that this was possible yeah. and this was a possible way to live. Um, and then um, growing up in Tennessee, you know, I didn't have much art instruction, um, but I've, I've thought about what my parents did that would have encouraged it. Mm -hmm. And they did two things. They did um, something we called light time, which was every night we had a bedtime, but we were allowed to have our light on for 30 minutes so mm -hmm. we could read. And that sounds simple, but, but I think that that made reading it's kind of magical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing that, that they really made a commitment to was um, piano lessons. And we had to practice 30 minutes a day, seven days a week. And it was kind of this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, this commitment to this daily practice. Mm -hmm. And the way that I learned how to work my way through a new song or, you know, how music is built and you learn, you kind of look at the overview of the structure mm -hmm. of the song and then you break it down and find the hard parts and really tackle those. And then you can kind of zoom back out and be more expressive with it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way I process mm -hmm. everything. Um, that's just kind of, it kind of trained my brain yeah. to work in that way. And I think my parents being so committed to that, um, you know, we didn't have much money. Um, there were times when it was really a struggle to put food on the table and yet there was never a conversation about, should we stop paying for piano lessons? Mm -hmm. It was just a given that <laughs> yeah. we were gonna do these piano yeah. lessons. And I don't think they realized how much I noticed that, well, but, but I was just aware of this commitment. Yeah. And I'm not even sure why, where that came from, but it was yeah. something they wanted for us and something wow. that they gave us. Um, more so than, you know, I mean, we made good grades. We did fine in school, um, but they weren't that concerned, you know, with yeah. our grades. It was more about, my mom would say, well, we want you to be well-rounded, you know, wow. it was more about this introduction to other ways of thinking and being. Wow. 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 That's pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, it and, is. And you made Gareth really happy because you mentioned New Orleans. You mentioned yeah. New Orleans, yeah. <laughs> so he's um, way yeah. happy right now. My, my head, my mind went back there yeah. for half of what you just said. Right. But I clicked back in for the second <laughs> half, so it's really wonderful. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's, I mean, it's wonderful because, you, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, we've had a couple episodes in the past where we talked about like travel and place. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk about a place like New Orleans and even Nashville. I mean, like mm -hmm. you're kind of growing up in two spots that are known for uh, some sort of creative cultural production, mm -hmm. right? I mean, you know, whatever level you were involved or a part or even aware of in Nashville, I mean, it's still, a, it is a creative city. Yeah. It still is, even though it's kind of become a different 
mm-hmm. different kind of city than when you were growing up. Um, I mean, shoot, it's a different kind of city than when I spent time there 20 years ago. Mm. The, uh, but you know, New Orleans is one of those places where you like, you walk around and, uh, if you don't like creativity, you're going to get pretty pissed off in New Orleans mm. pretty quick because <laughs> there's music everywhere. There's art everywhere. Yeah. There's just, there's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, the food is art. I mean, it, yeah, I, I could turn this conversation big time in another direction, but, um, you did have, I think a, a fantastic benefit of two very good places to grow yeah. up creative. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. I hadn't looked at it that way. I think in Tennessee, I I felt like there was just no art whatsoever, and it was this whole other world. Yeah. But the teachers that I connected the most with were my music teachers. Mm-hmm. So I was in band in high school, and, and then I had my piano teacher, and so those were the kind of voices in my life that were also this example of another way to live mm-hmm. and another way to think. That's interesting. I just I learned like a goofy aside. I was telling Gareth, my brother out of nowhere messaged me two days ago. He's in California. That's where I'm from. And uh, we found out that my, he's doing this like extensive multi-year thing he's been working. I had no idea on our family. And there's a huge backstory, but there's two small bullet points. One was, so like my great, it's like my great, great. Yeah. My great, or my great, great grandfather is from Virginia. She had no idea and moved from Virginia to Colorado, then to the, the my um, grandpa and great grandpa then moved to California. So that was like weird. Cause I'm like, well, it's kind of like a weird thought to be mm-hmm. like, I came back and I had yeah. no idea. <laughs> I didn't think I had any connection to Council mm-hmm. Virginia, none. So I was like, this is really freaking me out. And then my, so my, on my grandma's side, uh, in this particular family lineage, her, um, my grandfather on that side, great grandfather on that side, is a great, great is from Tennessee, which I had no idea. So it's like, so just, this was just like two days ago. And so yesterday I just like thought about how like all of a sudden Tennessee feels different to me mm-hmm. and Virginia feels different to me, mm-hmm. you know? And now you're like, yeah, you know, grew up in Tennessee or it's like, yeah, that's a trip. You were born, wait, and so where were you born again? You were born in- I was born in New Orleans. New Orleans, but grew up yeah. in Tennessee. Yeah, my parents were both born in New Orleans and grew up there, but we found out after moving to Tennessee that an ancestor was from Tennessee, a similar thing. My dad's oh, wow. name, um, we're connected to um, uh, William Clark from the Lewis and Clark expedition. Hmm. He's like an uncle or something. And if you trace his name to my dad's name, there's kind of like a hundred years before we moved to Tennessee, yeah. they were in Tennessee. You know, there's all yeah. these interesting lists that's, there. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah. like, like so, so my brother sends me this picture of like, uh, my grandfather, great, great, great grandfather. And he's like elders, Th- Thomas something depreced. I was like, DePriest is a pretty cool name. And it's like, and then like, I showed you Gareth and Gareth's like, oh, weird. Yeah, you could kind of see it, you know? And you're like, <laughs> it's weird. Like there's this huge beard and you're like, wait, that could kind of see the, I can see the relationship. That's freaky. Yeah, no, so weird. You got like those physical things, but then also like with what you're talking about, like the way you, it's just beautiful the way you described your grandmother and grandfather and yeah. the way they curated their life. Mm-hmm. But then you talked about having to like process the world out through your hands. Mm-hmm. And like, even there, you're like, oh, there's, there's like a genealogy of that, mm-hmm. right? So your parents, you know, to whatever level they may have been involved in like a creative practice, like they were at least a conduit of that, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. You know, so the, the, the ancestry of your grandparents to like the practice of what you're doing is like, it's, it's a pretty intimate connection there. It's yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty amazing. I, and it's got me thinking about like how, like when you say you process through your hands, 
it's like, uh, you know, he's like, um, you receive a lot of times there's gifts given to you and, and you, they're handheld, you know, or, and you think about like curating like local art traveling, there's an intimacy in that. Yeah. Um, like it's like a local, they're like, um, variegated localized encounters and interactions predicated on something that has to do perhaps more with the sensibilities and proclivities of the, like your grandfather in this case, mm -hmm. you know, and your grandmother, like, and then they're, and they're intentional about things that are so possibly of just making assumptions, so idiosyncratic and unique to them. And so then they're bringing a very unique and idiosyncratic um, curated space that then becomes this formative environment mm -hmm. uh, where you're receiving these gifts um, in a full orbed way, which is bodily, visually, you know, possibly mm -hmm. orally music, like what all of it. And um, the more particular it is, I think the more it has um, effect, which makes me, you know, no offense to anybody, but it's like, so then it makes me think about like when our house is purely adorned with mm -hmm. like art from Walmart and Target and yeah, yeah. Where, where nothing, nothing that's made is from anyone you know. Yeah, yeah. Or, or where you know that it was made from someone. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, like there's the mass produced things and then there's the thing where even if you didn't know the person and you, but you know it was made by someone, yeah. you feel it in the humanity of the thing. Yeah. There's something about that, you know? Like, and I think that, I mean, not to jump the gun, but I do think that's in the spirit of your, your paintings. Like mm -hmm. there's something about mm -hmm. deeply personhood personal, if you will, yeah. um, that, I, that I, I've, I feel when I look at your paintings. Yeah, I think the the older I've gotten, um, the more what you just said resonates, and especially the more artists I meet and the more art I collect from people I do know and really love and care about. Um, that stuff that in grad school I may have just like cast off. It's like okay, we've read that. So like you know William Morris and Walter Benjamin, like they sound a little different in my memory. Um, having gone through that, like there there is like a thing that's active and present in those pieces more than I may have given it credit for in the mm -hmm. past. Um, and I think that's, it's really important because, you know, even the way you're, you're talking about like you're having these grandparents that like kind of build a collection, uh, in one way, like you're building a collection in another way through your pieces and your work, mm -hmm. you know, whether that's, you know, whatever that collection may be, like whatever that taxonomy of collection it might be in your mind as the artist, um, like it's the same, it's kind of the same activities almost, almost in reverse mm -hmm. in some ways, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so like acquiring the collection or like building a collection that others acquire um, and like taking them from place to place. There's a, there's a wonderful hospitality, I think, in just thinking generationally, like a really great hospitality in all of that. And, uh, you know, we talked about when Sam was on last time, the idea of like a place, like anticipating people as you build a place. And so your hospitality is like preeminent to uh, mm -hmm. the arrival of a person. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. So when you're, so you're coming up, you have like this, this experience and then like there's high school. And mm -hmm. so how does art, how does like looking at art take shape as you go through to high school or like leave high school and school? Like, cause there's an odd, like I didn't know that going to college to be an artist really existed. Mm -hmm. It took, I mean, I didn't. And then when I finally made the leap and did it, I didn't know what I was leaping into at all. Yeah, no, I didn't either. Somehow I knew that art schools existed and I applied to a bunch and I got in. Um, yeah. So I went um, to Columbus College of Art and Design in Columbus, Ohio. And I just kind of trusted, I mean, I just assumed they would teach me whatever I yeah. needed to know. Um, I kind of jumped right in. Um, 
And I think, um, I think I had a really strong work ethic, partly because of the discipline, you know, like mm -hmm. I mentioned of piano practice. And I think I just naturally have, have a work ethic. And I think I felt kind of behind in, in every other mm -hmm. way, you know, mm -hmm. culturally. And, you know, a lot of kids had had a lot of art training or they'd gone to some, you know, art magnet school or something like that. And I remember in the beginning, they sat us all down and they said, you know, you might be the most talented person here. You might be the most intelligent person here, but if you're not going to work hard, you're not going to make it. And I remember thinking, oh, I can do that. I can work, you know. Yeah. And that's that's what I've always held on to because I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be the most talented yeah. or the most intelligent person in the room, but I can be the hardest working. Um, mm -hmm. And because I hadn't had much art training growing up, I didn't take it for granted at all, mm -hmm. you know, in college. I really wanted to soak up everything I possibly could. Um, so, and then I went from there to um, grad school, MICA, mm -hmm. um, Mount Royal School of Art at, at MICA in Baltimore. Was, was Bev Fishman? No. Who was there at the time? Uh, Frances Barth. Okay, yep. Yeah, it was her first year. Her first year was my first year, and Frances was there for 10 years. Um, and I think I, I almost kind of got in my own way then because- Oh, I, I'm thinking of Cranbrook. Forgive me. Micah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think my- I think I wanted to learn so much and do so good mm -hmm. that I kind of took on things that weren't my, my problem. Yeah. Um, and I tried to, you know, to make my work in a way that wasn't my way. Yeah. Um, and so I absorbed too much and I didn't filter out enough for, for what was, you know, good for me and for what I needed and how I needed to work. Um, so it was really confusing for me. Yeah. Um, and I had a hard time articulating what what was confusing or why mm -hmm. I was struggling. So my teachers had a hard time, you know, helping me through it. Sure. Um, and I, I came out of grad school. I finished that in 2006 and I was just a mess. You know, I was yeah. really confused. And I was kind of in that state of mind for a good like 10, 12 years of I was still working. I was painting that whole time. But I think I was trying to apply someone else's um, solutions mm -hmm. to to my way of working, mm -hmm. and it it didn't fit. Did you have the? Did you feel like? Did you inherit some of the academic? So there's like this kind of bestowed upon folks academic painter anxiety. Like painting's not enough. So what is a painting? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be painting in contemporary? How do you locate yourself mm -hmm. in a contemporary context? Like there's these questions that, and then and then and then theory is like this. Um, kind of uh, savior to uh, the studio practice. It's like, if you will, if you can internalize quote unquote theory enough, whatever, whatever we're reading um, and uh, you can like process and communicate that, well then that somehow serves as a kind of mm -hmm. a covering for the work. Like, like, did you, was it, were you dealing with those kinds of issues or? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I didn't realize that I could have just said, I'm a painter. I'm interested in exploring the world through these materials. I could have said that. Yeah. That, that would have been enough. My teachers right. were painters too. Gotcha. And, and I think that's what they wanted from me. But I was surrounded by, you know, more conceptual artists yep. and people that I really admired who who could say some really amazing things. And and they would they would kind of formulate their ideas and then they would make work in response to those ideas. And and I was so impressed by them and I would yep. think, oh, that's the way to do it then. Yep. So, and yep. I just took that on, um, even though it wasn't my way. That's right. Um, so I thought, okay, so I have to build up this this structure, this really well, you know, fleshed out idea and then make a painting in response. 
um, which worked worked for them. Um, yep. But that wasn't my way. Yeah. I was trying to apply that to myself for so long. Um, and it wasn't until about four years ago I started um, Terps Banana mm-hmm. Correspondence Course. I think they took the banana out. I think it's Terps <laughs> Correspondence yeah, yeah, Course yeah. now. Um, but, oh, yeah, I guess they did take out. Yeah, I think yeah. I noticed that. Um, so that was four years ago. And that has what's really turned things around for me. Um, and it was right, right from the start. Um, they, what they do is they're based in London. They assign you to a mentor and you have this one-on-one dialogue for a year. Um, you have five reviews and four out of those five are with your primary mentor. And then you have one guest mentor. Um, and they look at your work. You send in images of your painting and you write about it. And then it's one-on-one. So I can really share what's on my mind without any external voices or input or like what I think I should be saying. You know, they're just hearing straight from me what's going on. And they're looking at my paintings. And the constant conversation this whole time has been like, they don't want to hear about my ideas. They want to talk about what's going on in the paintings and how to make those as true to myself and, and my voice as possible. Uh, which is a completely different approach than what I was used to. Mm-hmm. It really threw me off guard at first. Um, but that's really what's helped me and turned my work around and helped me find my footing mm-hmm. and figure out that this is really who I am and I'm comfortable mm-hmm. now. Um, I understand more where my work come from, comes from and why I make the work the way that I do and how to push that forward in a yeah. way that's relevant for me and my experience in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when you were signing up for it. Mm-hmm. That's right around the time you. I met you. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy to see. I remember you telling me that like when you first got like the first review and they write yeah. to you and you can't respond, you yeah. had to just like you sit on wait, it for a month. Like two or wait. three months okay, yeah, before yeah. you write back. And I was really upset by the first review, even though it was so helpful sure. and like really amazing. It was so unexpected because I was ready to defend my ideas yeah. and, and make myself, you know, look smart or yep. whatever that is. Um, and they didn't, he didn't want to hear any of that. Yeah. Um, he, wanted to look at the paintings and he wanted to hold me accountable to everything that was going on in the image he was looking at. Yep. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how to respond to that. And, and how do you, how do you hold yourself accountable to the paintings mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. the outside ideas? Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's been kind of the journey that I've been following. Yeah. Ever I love since. that. When you yeah. told me that I talked to him later that day and I was like, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, because people's first response is to defend themselves, mm-hmm. and your first response is to evaluate a feedback or criticism or whatever is typically like not probably the best response. Like, right. I mean, it's difficult, you know. Yeah. So the idea that you just audaciously are like, "Read this," <laughs> and I'll talk to you in three months. I was yeah. like, "Gosh, <laughs> I love that!" Like, that's an amazing thought. Like, I get mm-hmm. it. That's daring to mm-hmm. run an organization that way. Yeah, yeah. if only our semesters. Uh, school could be longer so yeah. that we could do that with assignments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because yeah, like, I mean, we're we're cooking through, I mean, we're not even able to look at things the way that they need to be looked at. So, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's really powerful to me. And it allowed you to, like, process your emotions right. to get to a uh, an orientation towards what they're doing in your work, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like. Well, you have to start responding within your work. So even if you're angry or defensive, you start working through it as you're making new paintings. And by the time you get to your next review where you're going to write back to them, you've already sort of worked through that and you're not upset anymore and you want to move on to your next problem. You know, it's not even once you've worked through it through your work over the course of those few months, it 
it clicks and yeah. it makes more sense. So have wow. you found that over time, like within that sort of system, mm-hmm. you're almost like, have you become maybe more impatient and been like, no, 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 just tell me all the things that are wrong. Like, get, get let's get to the meat of this quicker. Um, I mean, is no, there I was event? more that way in the beginning. Oh, okay. I, and now I'm more patient. I had my second mentor, my second year, I, I did that. I, I was kind of like, I came, I hit really hard. I just came right in with like, here's everything I'm feeling and thinking. And, and I kind of like wanted, I don't know, I wanted to get my money's worth or something. I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. And he, his response was, was so funny because he said, I'm going to set everything aside that you just said, because I think you just need to calm down. (laughs) 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 And then his whole entire letter to me was like, just calm down, just let it go, relax. Here's, you know, this is what it's about. You're, you're losing track of yourself, you know, and he recentered me and refocused me. And that's, that's been part of what I've had to learn is to stop the overthinking and stop. There's no, there's no one right answer. And that's what he would say is, I can't tell yeah. you the answers to any of these questions you have. You know, you just have to trust this process mm-hmm. and allow it to work through mm-hmm. you. Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a constant student. That's a disposition in, in, mm-hmm. in creative folks mm-hmm. more than we'd like to think. And uh, gosh, the frequency for which I have to have conversations like that mm-hmm. up to like yesterday. I had a student who I, I, they're working on these big projects and I had to have that conversation because they've been doing really well and they've hit a, hit a rut. And I was like, we're making these huge portraits, these double portrait things. And so I was like, here's your constructed reference photo and here's your mirror and here's, so it's like, um, you know, I was like, you're, you're so in your head right now Mm -hmm. that you're, head is creating a perception of what you see. You can't yeah. even see what's in front yeah. of you at all. She's just staring at me kind of frustrated. I'm like, I promise you, you can't see it. It's like, you need to, so I made a couple of corrections, showed her some things. And I said, turn the drawings all the way upside down, both of them, turn your references upside down and you're not allowed to turn them right side up to the end of mm-hmm. class or close to. Mm-hmm. So she did and it was like a dramatic yeah. turn of it's events. It's the subconscious, it's the yeah. intelligence of the right the right side of yeah. the brain and the subconscious. That's where we work from as painters. Yeah. That's where our work is intelligent. Yeah. It's not in all of these words and all yeah. these explanations. We were watching, my husband and I were watching the, the Beatles documentary. Uh-huh. I need to see this. Oh, you have to. No, there's this moment when I think it's George is writing and he, he's stuck and he can't come up with, with the lyric he needs. And he says, there's something in the way she moves, attracts me like, I mean, and it's hilarious when you're watching cause you, it's so obvious, you know, we, yeah. know, we know what the next line is. Yeah. Um, but he, he says this and it, it sounds like he wants someone to give him the answer. Like, tell me how to figure this out. And I forget who he's talking to. It's, it's John or, or no, it's Paul or um, John. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they say, just throw in any word, just say cauliflower. And just keep going and, you know, and it'll come to you. Yeah. I feel like that's what it is. It's yeah. that subconscious. Yeah. yeah. And I'm going to always like, have that in my head now, yeah. that song. Well, we're going to like, if, it, if that had been me, you know, in my sort of grad school frame of mind, I would have been like, well, I need to think about what the word Yeah, that's not serious like, enough. What, what is yeah. attraction? Can we define attraction? What are the other examples of how, you know, I would have gone on this whole, yeah. you know, thesis yes. about that's it. so real. And it, and it was so funny just to see that, they, you know, they're the Beatles, like they, yeah. obviously yeah. know what they're doing and they were like just throw in cauliflower yeah. <laughs> you know um and it's that's just so that, real that that's trust real. Of, yes. of that that's what we have to learn to trust yeah and that's that's a yeah like so um i went to grad school and in you to justify doing that it's like everything has to become more serious than mm-hmm. it than it is and then there's people that were like not serious at all 
and then you're like frustrated with them because they're mm-hmm. not being serious yeah. with you. Yeah. But then they're making some good stuff sometimes and you're like, how is that person making that? Just just like I'm just all scrambled <laughs> up. Like I'm like, it don't make no sense. And then people are like, Ryan, you're funny and in like you go, you're a goofball. And then you're when it comes to art making, you're mm-hmm. so you're too serious. Like, oh, where's the, the goofball? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I can't bring it in, you know? <laughs> Um, but I was too serious about art. Like mm-hmm. I, it was too serious to me. Yeah. It still is. But, um, but I have a lot more room for a cauliflower <laughs> yep. as a solution. You know, like I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me. Actually, if you're not worried about this is the thing. I think if you're not trying to make everybody else feel better about their own guilt for being an artist, like <laughs> at grad school is like a bunch of people that are like, you got to make us all feel better about the fact that we're here teaching you because secretly we just need to support our art habit. Are you saying and, it's kind of like group therapy? Yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> an institutional verification. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. like group therapy and validating <laughs> the whole thing's existence within the university. It's like corporate sponsor group therapy. <sighs> yeah, dude. It's, it's like group therapy brought to you by Ford. Yeah, brought to you by Ford. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I mean, like you, you just take on all, like you're saying, you thoroughly take on baggage. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then musicians are not in these institutional spaces that way. Mm-hmm. So they're like, just put cauliflower. In there. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and, and then there we go. It's the Beatles, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, I always like to think of that situation with that song, Rocked You Like a Hurricane. Yeah. Like, I just wish I could have been there when they were deciding like the lyrics to that song, you know, just like hardcore, you know, 80s rocker. And they're like, mm-hmm. here I am, rocked you. And I just, I wish there was a video of that because I've always wanted to imagine like, did they just know it's going to be rocked like a hurricane or did they have like rocked you like a tractor, <laughs> you know, rocked you, rocked you like the side of a bus yeah. and they're like rocked you like the side of a bus and they're like, that doesn't work. What is it? <laughs> you know no, what I mean? I don't think we're there yet. And then can you imagine the amount of high fives when they're like hurricane? hurricane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hurricane cauliflower. <laughs> oh, I'm going to live on that one forever. That's so good. It is real good. Um, that's amazing. So like, I mean, 12 years is no joke yeah. to wrestle. I mean, that's very honest of you. What was that like? Oh, it was really hard. Um, and I didn't have an art community. Yeah. Um, so I was really desperate for, for something, some other artist. Um, I didn't have hard, you know, no one around me in my right. everyday life was an artist. Um, so I think by the time I started Terps, I was just at this point of like, I realized I had pushed myself as far as I could push myself. Mm. And I met with you for that critique y'all did at the mm-hmm. current art fair. And I, and that's where I was at that, you know, wow. I just said, I can only talk to myself for so long yep. before I start going in the same circles. Yep. There's yeah, only yeah. so far I can push myself. And I was really genuinely trying, yeah. but just hitting a wall. Right. Um, so, um, I mean, thank goodness for Terps. I don't yeah. know where I would be or what my work would, I would still be making work, sure, but I don't know what it would be doing right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. You seem freed up compared to when I met you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just like sitting here hearing you, I'm like, yeah, you're definitely like, you can see that you're freer and the work, the work is like, benefiting from it. Yeah. The work's clearly benefiting. Like you could see the incipientness of what's there and it's like, it's been able to kind of spring forward in a, in a pretty powerful way. Yeah. Um, so how long did it take before Terps kind of um, took effect? It right before away. It's like Terps or banana. No. <laughs> you didn't go banana, so you were Terps. No, right yeah. away. I think I absorbed as much as I could from each mentor. Yeah. And they're all different from each other. So I've, I've had different lessons from each yeah. one. But somehow they magically align with what I need to hear at, at that point in wow. time. 
Um, and I think because I was so eager for some kind of guidance, I yeah. think I just absorbed as much as I possibly could. Yeah. Are, so are you ever interacting with them face on? No, no. We, it's there's all written? It's all written. I mean, there's occasional, wow, you know, they'll have so like trippy. an artist talk on Zoom or something where we can see each other, but there's no real that interaction. So no. I feel like that breaks so much of the stage interaction. Right, right. Problem mm. with, yeah. With, that is so it's crazy to me that this works. Mm -hmm. yeah. You don't even have to talk. Like I'm like mind blown right now. No, it's so much better because I don't present myself. Um, I, I want to be as honest as possible in person, but there's so many other factors that kind of throw me off balance. And then I can't present myself. Mm -hmm. You can't really hear where I'm coming from in a true way in mm -hmm. that moment. Um, and it really got in my way, especially in grad school when I, I didn't quite understand, mm -hmm. you know, how, what, what happens to me in these types of environments where I'm under a lot of pressure and then I can't process it properly and then communicate what I'm experiencing. Yeah. Um, I can do that in writing and I can just say clearly, here's what I'm thinking, here's where I'm coming from, here's what I'm basing that on. And they have it right there in front of them in a way that was just really not possible, you know, back mm -hmm. when I was in school. Yeah, that's such a fascinating pro. I wouldn't, I just, I'm also like, gosh, writing to people. I'm like, no, I got to stand in front and show you like, look right here. Like my brain is just like, mm -hmm. wow, that's so not, I'm not wired that way at all. Mm -hmm. So I, I, it makes sense to me. That's what makes it amazing. It's like, it's so brilliant and brazen to say like, yeah, you're, we're just going to interface through written word. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think it's audacious in a good way. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of mind blown. Um, but you know, I guess cause I'm also thinking about like the way grad schools function yeah. and it's yeah, I got, I'm probably going to think about this for a while now based on what, like the, I, I thought for sure there's a point where you get to interact with people no. and I'm like, that's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Well, and especially, you know, a lot of them live, um, the programs based in London yep. and they have mentors everywhere and they have students everywhere, but they say like, you know, if you live here and we live here, we might run into you at an opening or something, but we'd prefer you just kind of, you know, we might not follow you back on Instagram. We yeah. might, we might just not have anything to do with you until you're, so you're no longer our mentor, you yeah. know, mentee. Um, so yeah, my current mentor now is in, um, Nevada. Okay. And so I'll, and I've never interacted with him in any way other than through Terps. Yeah. And also we do follow each other on yeah. Instagram, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just feel like that's a, I, I mean, this is a compliment. Like, I feel like this is something that has to happen and start like in England or something like, mm. cause there, it just feels like a different social ethic. And, and uh, like, I just don't think that like Americans would start something <laughs> like this, this way. We, yeah. and, and, um, I watch a lot of like, you know, I like BBC and, mm -hmm. or I like people or, um, like masterpiece theater. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, I got like weird leanings that direction. So I'm like, that's so <laughs> awesome. Like just be like proper about it. And like, Nope, I'm not gonna talk mm -hmm. to you. Just read it. I wonder how they get their mentors. Um, you know, like what's the, what's the qualifier to maintain the quality of like what they're giving? Well, they have, it's they, kind of blown up, yeah, hasn't it? I mean, yeah. Terps is like really a, a respect for painters. Mm -hmm. I've read articles on like a resurgence mm -hmm. and people actually preferring it over MFAs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, no, it's grown quite a bit over the last few years and they just started a sculpture program as well called wow. mass. Um, 
So I don't know. I know they go through a process where when your mentor writes to you, they do, it has to go through some kind of checks. You mm-hmm. know, somebody else has to check it and make sure okay. it aligns with their values yeah, or that whatever that is. Yeah, whatever that is. Um, but yeah, I don't really know. And, and it fascinates me how they match up each painter with their mentor yeah. because it's not necessarily anything to do with your work. Mm-hmm. It's like this magical process of, of like, we see some kind of connection between these two and they put you together and they just hope it's the right fit, um, which is, I, don't, I would just love to sit in that room and see yeah. how that conversation plays Maybe out. Maybe you'll be a mentor someday. I, I'm going to be next year. There you <laughs> go. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, now you'll know. So I still don't know how, I mean, my, my first mentor um, is actually the coordinator of the course. Yeah. So I, I know him really well. And so he knows me well enough that, that you know, he felt comfortable inviting yeah. me to be a mentor. I don't know normally how they do it. Right. You're a gifted writer too from a little bit that I, I've, I've read something of you. I, I could tell that you're, you seem to execute and clearly articulate ideas well in a written way. So I could see how that would make sense. Like, mm-hmm. cause that's not everybody. I cannot do that. Yeah. Writing is much easier for me than, than speaking. I feel like yeah. you and I are opposites. opposites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. I'm, I'm, my writing is terrible. I have to burden all my friends. <laughs> everybody gets, everybody's burdened by Ryan's poor writing. Uh, Gareth and Sam, on the other hand, very good at writing. Yeah. Um, so, so let's, let's dig into the show. Yes. How do we get to Nocturne? How do we get there? You came up with the title. The title. Yeah. yeah. There was, um, a painting in the show called Nocturne. Yeah. Um, and I, that painting in particular, I'd been looking at a lot of Whistler's paintings mm-hmm. and, he has one, he has a series of paintings called Nocturnes, which I mean, I have to point out because you can't see it in front of you now. Whistler's Nocturnes or N-O-C-T-U-R-N-E. And he titles his paintings after, or he did after um, music. So he had, you know, nocturnes or compositions or arrangements um, as the titles for all of his paintings. And it, I always um, connected with the way that he thought about painting mm-hmm. and how he connected it to music. Mm-hmm. And it's this, this interaction of forces, um, or this interplay between, um, you know, relationships between, um, in music it's, it's sound, but it's, it kind of translates the same way in painting where it's about color and form and light and mm-hmm. dark and shadow and, and, um, he really wanted to emphasize that that's what his paintings were about more than, you know, the subject matter. Mm-hmm. And that resonated a lot with me. And I was looking at his nocturnes while I was making that particular painting. And then um, I thought, well, this, this painting kind of connects to his nocturne visually, but, it, but it's a little bit off. Hmm. And like, so what if I twist the word a little bit? And so I, I titled it Nocturne, K-N-O-C-K-T-U-R-N as kind of a play. On, on the idea of, you know, nocturnes. But also I think that's what I do a lot with, with my work because they're not, they, I mean, they are in the category of still life. Mm-hmm. But when you think of still life, you think of something that's been carefully arranged and then, you know, recorded, you know, just based on the way that it looks and, the, and um, perception, the way that your eyes work. And I think for me, that's not really why I'm drawn to still life. I think I start with a still life or just even an object as a prompt, Mm -hmm. but it's a way for me to, to get into the painting. And then I'm much more interested in the materials themselves. Mm -hmm. And I can kind of forget what the real life setup looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't feel like I have to be, you know, I don't have to 
serve that. Mm -hmm. I can make the painting do something else and go in a different direction. So it starts there and then it kind of twists into something else Mm -hmm. and becomes its own thing. Um, And I think the paintings in this show are um, all of household objects, you know, like from everyday life, everyday life at home. And I think even the word knock and turn was making me think of a door and a key. Mm -hmm. And it could kind of allude to all of these things at once, which is something else I like to do in my paintings is, is think of metaphors or thing, things that can be many things at the same time. Um, so I started out painting a lot of teacups in my still lifes. And I think I was really drawn to a teacup because you have a cup and it can be kind of a stand in for a figure, you know, a person. And you can see how it interacts with, with whatever's around it but you also have whatever's inside the cup. And then you have like some logo or an image printed on the front of the cup that is telling a completely different story that can take you in a completely different direction. Um, And so it can do all these things at the same time. And that's what I started playing with, with the paintings. And then as I got more and more comfortable, I zoomed out a little bit and I stepped away from the teacups and I started doing more. You know, I, I do a lot of paintings of like the inside of my sink or the inside of my refrigerator or, you know, looking down into my trash can. Um, somehow I, I've been able to pick up on more metaphorical possibilities without it being so deliberate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's part of what's fun for me about painting is um, just playing with the possibilities of how um, it can take on multiple meanings and it can it can be something really ordinary and every day, but then also have something unexpected hidden within that if you take the time to sit with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's two questions I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask you about Morandi. Do you, do you look at... Oh, I love Morandi. Yeah, yeah. because I feel like he's the... Um, the way you're describing still life is like, that's all I can think about mm-hmm. is like, yeah. Um, completely living in that space where, yeah, there's like these super like bashful paintings that then open up and then they're not at all. And then they're not still life anymore. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I mean, just weird, <laughs> amazing paintings. Yeah. I mean, they're that, just pushing yeah. and just doing odd, almost otherworldly things but in like these modest scaled, you know, subdued light, subtractive value, like this, you know, minimal color. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess I th- there's like goofy painters, like and by goofy is a compliment, like truly goofy in the sense that like a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's a kind of like a, a unique clumsiness, <laughs> you know, to Morani's work. Yeah. And um, yeah. like, so like I think about, there's like two people that I, I like if I could curate, this is not going to, some people probably go, Ugh. but like two people that I've often liked to look at and I often want to look at them in the same season of my life is um, Hodgkins, Howard Hodgkin and Morandi. Okay. And I don't know mm-hmm. why, because they're totally opposite of each other mm-hmm. in terms of like you think about Howard Hodgkins, like um, color mm-hmm. is like. Um, acidic, electric, and like kind of vi- like really vibrant, but there are there is this subdued illumination and these kind of like opening spaces mm-hmm. that opens up in a way that makes me think about the way that like a bottle can compress and open up in a Mirandi painting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So th- so yeah. Well, there's something in their brush strokes. I think mm-hmm. there's like a similar size brush or a yeah. similar density yep. of paint application happening in both of them. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I think Mar- I love Morandi so much. I think he was just so, fa- you know, and I think that's part of why I'm a painter. Um, life feels so overwhelming, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel like I could, I could just keep painting the inside of my kitchen sink and, and not get tired of it. Like there's so much information to take in yep. all the time. Um, that we're constantly processing and having to filter through. And, you know, for Morandi, it was like these these same bottles, you know, that you see again and again and again. And he's, you know, he's like, well, what if I move it an inch to the left? Or what if yeah. I put this bottle on the right instead of yeah. on the left? You know, what happens if they're pushed farther back? Or There's so much information there to work with and to right. process all the time that um, it's funny that, I mean, it seems so ordinary. It's funny that you described him as, what did you say, weird or- Goofy. Uh, um, but you know, it's. I was I was at a Morandi show at the Met years ago, and this somebody came up next to me and was so angry and was like, "This isn't art. These my kid could do that." You know that kind of thing. <sighs> oh my gosh. And it was like they're just <laughs> bottles, and I'm no. thinking like there's they're so missing the point yeah. because look at how much you can do with just these. Yeah. You know, you could take these three same forms and make an infinite amount yep. of, of paintings. They just didn't have eyes to see mm-hmm. because the more you see, the more that there is to see, the more they open up, mm-hmm. and then that's why they're odd and goofy because it it you're it, it um obliterates your first notion of what it is and now you're like well how do i reconcile this because what i'm seeing doesn't match up with what i know or pri- my prior conception about what i'm looking at is completely challenged by what i'm seeing and in a way that's not heroic it's not trying to like um be bombastic and mm-hmm. um you know overcompensating through other mm-hmm. factors which you know, so it's like um, really humble, mm-hmm. humble painting, you know, like, yeah. So like I, I've always been a big Morandi. So it's like there's like three painters that I, I love in a, a certain lane, which is Hodgkin's Morandi and um, uh, Wayne Tebow. Mm-hmm. And so like uh, those are like, like, you know, yeah. like, like they're just like if, if, if I had a bouquet of flowers, they're, they're a bouquet for me. Mm-hmm. Like I, I would bundle those together and give those to somebody, you know, like that's how I feel about those three painters together and they're separate, but there's like some it's brushstroke, it's mm-hmm. chunkiness mm-hmm. and it's like light and like, um, low, you know, like if you take a lamp in a, in a darker room and you, you bring it close to things, there's a way that, um, the dark to light change happens abruptly, but gradually that it's like a paradox. It's a very particular way that light, like mm-hmm. light emanates slowly out of deeper and darker tones. I, I've always, my eyes gravitate towards that. I would um, love to see Morandi and Tebow if they switch, like if you send Wayne Tebow to Italy and you send Morandi to California, yes. like yes. what would their paintings would have their, looked like? That would be amazing. That's a hilarious thought and it's a great question. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, could, yeah, could Wayne Tebow <laughs> be Tebow if he wasn't in California? <laughs> I think we when I, say no. Yeah, I'd say no. Yeah. When I came here, mm-hmm. so just as an aside, when I came to Richmond and I was in my first semester making paintings, like I have no I've never painted anywhere but Rich, but California, right? And so I, I'm making these paintings and like there's people coming in my studio. They do not know where I'm from. Teachers, they don't, they just know that I'm the new grad student. And they're like, all these paintings feel like California. <laughs> and I was like, what does that mean? Like, it's just, that's pink. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I don't know. It just feels like California. I'm like, well, I'm from California. <laughs> it's California pink. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. So you're, I mean, there is something about it. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely something about it. Um, so how do, how do you, how do you deal with influence? Um, 
I, I think it just soaks in. I, mm-hmm. I just, you know, get really excited about a painter and, and look at it as much as I can. And, you know, if I'm in a museum, I'll, I take notes or I take photos, I still have to engage my hands in some mm-hmm. way. Um, but hopefully it, it sinks in so that when I'm in that moment in front of my own painting, then it, then it's that cauliflower moment, right? Where it's in my subconscious and I just have to trust that it's going to filter <laughs> out in the right way. Um, so I don't, if I'm in the middle of painting, I don't think about it consciously, but if I'm stuck on a painting and I don't know what to do, I might go to a book and look up, you know, something It's you know, well, how did Matisse handle this? Let's let's look and break it down. And what did he do? And, and how is it working for him? And then I look back at my painting and I realize, well, I, I did nothing like Matisse there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I missed it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's not, who who else do you look at? Like, like if you had, if you had a list, is there a list for you of people? Yeah, it changes. I mean, Mirandi's definitely one. Matisse, um, Frau Angelico. Oh, it's one of my all time favorites. Yeah. That's also on my top list. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Voyard, Vollard, mm-hmm. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. Um, Bonard. Um, I go through phases. Yeah. Um, definitely Whist- Whistler. Um, did you yeah. ever look at John Constable's paintings? Only slightly. Yeah. No, I, You're not, you can't get into it. No. Cause have you ever looked at his like landscape, his seascape paintings that are like done on the spot? Oh, you should look so. at those because there is a commonality in some of your work in those. Okay. That go back and look at John Constable and try to look at his, like I have uh, his a book on his like seascape paintings, and they're like these really fast, like really non fussy, brushy paintings of land- English like storm stormy clouds and landscape. Mm-hmm. And there's like there's some wild and amazing things happening in those paintings. I, I've acquired like a taste for John Constable's mm-hmm. paintings, which is like that goes back to that English thing. Like I'm like gosh, I'm, I'm becoming like boring and like, I don't know, or there's just more there. And that's mm-hmm. what I think it is. I think there's more there. Okay. Yeah. Just a weird thought. I would do it. I'm curious. Don't you think about the, um, these little provincial paintings mm-hmm. that are like not mannered and fussed with. I think, I think you might find them interesting. Who, who else? Um, oh, there's, did I say Matisse? Matisse is the first one I Matisse, always go back yeah. to. Um, there's so many. I don't know at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, can't think of more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just curious to know, like, what, what, what you go to. Like, um, yeah, I, I look at a ton of. I mean, Fra Angelico is like mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. up there at the top for me. Um, trying to think of who else right now has been like really. I'm finding that I'm going back and seeing all these people that like that are just in our history that I dismissed. Mm-hmm. I'm just finding all the time that I'm like, well, that's way better than I thought it was. I was so blinded in my own. Yeah. Wrapping up in academia. Right. Worried about what other people thought. Right. Can't afford to actually look at what great people did. Oh, you it's were amazing. saying that you didn't like Van Gogh for a while. Yeah. 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 I really, I just thought it was, he was overrated and, and it was just really the kitsch culture saturation mm-hmm. of that. But like Cody, it's the people who, Whose work, whose the trademark of their work is that same humble attentiveness that we've been talking about with yours that exactly. are easily overlooked. Yes. Um, another name that I was thinking about a couple in the past couple of weeks was Peter Dreher and his glasses. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he is a German painter, um, and in the height of modernism, when everyone else was doing, and he was um, was doing abstract expressionist work, um, he was just painting the very same. Um, glass of water, an empty glass in his studio every day. I uh, did hundreds, hundreds of paintings of this one <laughs> <So> glass. <crazy. laughs> and it's different every day. Yeah. Um, and um, 
marvelously committed and tenacious and um, unfussy and dedicated uh, and able to um, you know, create beautiful paintings, but also amass uh, an incredible statement about um, about time, like long time, yeah, um, past lifetimes, um, yeah, and what's like what's worth doing over a long period of time. Um, and of course, he was mocked, and of course, he's easily yep. missed. Um, but like that, it's a stunning body of work. Yeah, and an audacity to be like. I'm, I'm, I'm just okay being like miss. Yes. And, and, and in the midst of your peers. Yeah. Like just like, you know, like, you know, it's like, um, I always go back to Philip Gusson, but like, like Philip Gusson was not missed, but he did make turns that caused people to dismiss him mm-hmm. in, to his face. And they're like, that is a, like, that's appealing to me. And I can't put my finger on it. Like the willingness it's it's what you've done. It's like, you were able to silence all the voices and, like take the feedback directly and respond directly through the painting. And then all of a sudden your voice is aligned with the material and mm-hmm. in such a, a intimately connected way that then the, the, the paintings voice what they are that you intend and like, then it, like all of a sudden it's there and it's like, you, you can't, you can't fake. I mean, people do fake it, I guess, you know, but if you, if you can't live with yourself, you have to take this path. Like he probably had to make, make those glass paintings. Like he probably had to do it. Like he probably couldn't ignore it. Yeah. He didn't intend to do very many at first. It was supposed to be just an exercise, but then he kept doing it for like over 30 years. Yeah. I really, I think I really admire as I get older people's fidelity to like what they're sort of compelled to do. Um, I want to be careful. I say this cause it's not like, I don't mean just do whatever you want. I don't mean that in that kind of rogue way, but there's just like, I'm going to do this and I know that it may, it just may never be received. It just, it's an audacious, it means a lot to do that. Yeah. I think the distinction is like, it's not a self asserting, um, uh, like hard headedness, uh, just in a direction, um, disregarding yes, all the costs. That's Instead, right. Instead it's being invited by something that's, um, heavy in reality that perhaps no one else is seeing, Yeah, but it's a trusting, um, submission to the promise of what's ahead that yeah. you can taste, but you know, you have to pursue, mm-hmm. um, and perhaps pursue at great cost. And that's where the cost is, but there's yeah. something outside of you that's doing the demanding. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it. It's in that little vi- short video, the two second video of Oliver Jackson talking about his work up at the show in Idaho. And, um, the last couple of times I've heard him speak, he, he's talked a lot about um, like things I, I do. I understand, but I don't agree. I'm not, I wouldn't assign it the same way, but I'll say he's a devotee that the, it's like the work beckons him, calls mm-hmm. him to, into it. He, he has to, he has to do it kind of thing. And I was like, I get what, I know what he means. And there's a point in this last little video. It's a two minute video. He says, um, you know, he's like 80 something now, but he says um, those paintings behind me is in this museum in Idaho. He's like, he's like, it took me a long time to like know what to do to get to the place where I wasn't just doing what other people do. Mm-hmm. It took me a long mm-hmm. time to get there. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to hear him say that because like I've never heard him say that before and that with that kind of like candor and almost humility. It's like you saying, you know, it struck me that you said like um, Rachel that it, it's 12 years, you know, like I feel like it's a very honest thing to say. And I think a lot of people would be afraid to say that just to be that honest and be like, it was tough for like 12 years. And now I'm, I'm at this point. But Jackson had said that, 
And then he points to these paintings and those paintings were made, I forget, like 78 or 80. Like, you know, mm -hmm. he's making work right now, but he's like, all his work is just exploding all over the world. And he's like, I, like, I know why those brush strokes are there and I know what that is. Mm -hmm. and, and that's like, it's like, that's mine. Like I made that, I made them um, kind of thing. And I think I'm, I, I want that as well. You know, it's like, it's just been around enough where you're like, I just want to do what I want to do. And not in a stubborn way, um, you know, it, but then you have to risk it. Like, do, do you feel, do you feel a risk? You, you know, like, no. do you, yeah. <laughs> I think because my studio is kind of my safe space. It's mm -hmm. kind of my sanctuary where I can process at my own pace. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like there's so much to process that I have to work through it at, at the pace that I work. Um, so that's, that's it. I can't really consider what somebody else's pace would be or how mm -hmm. they would be looking at, at my way of working. Um, I just have to follow through with whatever my process is. Yeah. So what about, what about, um, folks seeing the work? How do you, how do you, I mean, not to mm -hmm. re-upload the, uh, the grad school question mm -hmm. in your audience, but like coming full circle on everything, like what's it like for you when you're done, you've got this huge, uh, breath of work, mm -hmm. you know, this big exhibition. Um, um, it's been fun to see in the last few years to see people um, like my work. Um, that That's kind of new. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think I'll, you know, I'll make a painting because there's something in it that I just need to, to grapple with and figure out or, you know, sort out through the painting. And then I, I can never tell whether somebody else will respond to that painting or not. But, you know, even if I just post it on Instagram and people get excited, I'm like, oh, you know, people like it. That's, that's mm -hmm. surprising. And then sometimes it happens that, that nobody likes it. <laughs> and that's a weird feeling. Um, but I think um, it's funny to see people's responses and see which ones people gravitate toward. And um, they make comments that I hadn't considered. Like, um, you know, some of the paintings are, you know, kind of like awkward is a word yeah. that comes up a lot. Yeah. And I think I, I don't try to make the paintings awkward. I think I'm just an awkward person. Um, so, so it's just funny that that's kind of a constant. It just comes through. Yeah. yeah. That comes up a lot. Yeah. It does. Yeah, that's, that's one. And then um, it's different depending on who's, who's looking at the work because there are artists who have responded to it in, in specific ways, or painters especially, I think, um, because it's very much about the material of painting. But then people who aren't artists, I had friends come to the opening who've never been to an art gallery. Wow, And that was just so exciting because I could see them walking around and kind of lighting up and having these conversations, you know, looking at my paintings. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking like, this is what I have spent so much time doing. And these people are in my life. And yet, you know, there's a huge part of who I am that they've never, yeah. you know, interacted mm -hmm. with. And so even that was just really exciting here. Wow. That's so cool. I mean, that would be like why we would want to do a gal like run a gallery yeah. Yeah. just for those experiences mm -hmm. to happen. So much. Yeah. 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 You can't really put a price tag on that mm -hmm. actually, you know? So it's like, you can't, I don't know. That's the tension of like, do you go into art <laughs> to get rich or do you go into art? <laughs> I don't know. That's the debate. Um, but, um, but yeah, I'm always a sucker for what you just shared actually. It's mm -hmm. like, Oh, people, cause, cause what space afford you that? Mm -hmm. Like what things afford you? I mean, I think nature does it in some ways, but, but like there's something uh, in the arts at their best that opens up these possibilities that are uh, off the beaten path of the average person's um, walk, mm -hmm. you know, and they may never, they may never even experience that. It's like experiencing an, an incredible poem, you know, like my family likes to read poetry in the house and 
But like if you if you've never been affected by a poem or read a poem out loud, you might be missing out, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there's like there is like a poetic thing in your work for sure, yeah. um, which is no small statement. And I know it can be overplayed, but you know I definitely think it's there. You got a thought on the poetics? Oh well, you were already talking about like metaphor mm-hmm. um, and elusiveness and, and nuance and the way multiple meetings come out of, um, yeah. How can something be cauliflower? <laughs> right. Like what, what does a cup have to do with a human being? Mm-hmm. Um, there are multiple answers and you have to sit with it. Um, and poetry has to do the same thing. Like and you, and you have to hear poetry to understand it mm-hmm. properly. And you have to sit with the material of painting to move through the painted metaphors properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether you're a viewer or an artist, take time. So curating Sam, what, what drew you to, I know it got, uh, drew my attention to Rachel's work. What, what caught you? What you, I mean, I was saying before off record, like before you got here, like how you were like, I want to curate Rachel's work. I want to do a show <laughs> with Rachel, you know, and you were really like keyed up. Yes. Yes. Because, um, I, I, like I, I could see how much understated understanding was implicit in them. Um, and, uh, that they were not shouting, but still needed to be heard. Um, and they resonated in a strong way uh, with, with, with my experience. Like I, I, I am a painter, so I, I loved the tex- technical excellence um, and the formal magic of making mud glow, like the goop, the thick stuff. <laughs> and that's also has, and that interplay with light, like that's just thrilling to me. Um, but I'm also predominantly, predominantly a stay at home mom. My primary, um, in intimate interaction with the world is with household objects and and goopy things and goop a lot of goopy <laughs> a lot and, of goop. and smelly things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and beautiful things um, and and gardens and atmosphere time of day and so I'm either going to be enchanted by those things um, or not and yeah disenchanted like, yeah and, and disenchanted <clears throat> um, so I love paintings and I actually love what I do um, and where I am and these paintings like shared that love in a huge way that like was touching to me and I like knew knew other people um could be touched that same way yeah 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 that's that's powerful that's understated in and of itself i feel like if someone were to go back and re-listen like it'd be worth sitting down on what you just said because i think so many are missing this kind of satisfaction and and that's the sound you said it you said i've painted a lot of sinks and there's still a lot to look at and i'm like there's something about that like i think we're chasing um we're just always chasing the wrong things mm-hmm. uh, just too often, you know? And um, there's so much happening. Like, like you could be in an apartment at home and so much vitality, so much life-giving possibility is there. Reality is there. And um, I just think we have to invite people in. And so I think the work is like an invitation into an intimacy that is, um, has to be intentionally curated, kind of come in full circle. Like you have to be intentional to um, curate your space and uh, make it hospitable for others. And, um, you know, I think great art points to that, can point to that. Um, and, and, you know, like there's abstraction that points away from reality and there's abstraction that points to reality. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the abstraction that's happening in your work points to reality. It like elucidates it further. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, it, and then it's the commingling of elusivity in the work that you're painting 
with the elusivity of said ordinary objects. Mm -hmm. And they're both elusive to something more. And that is when things compound and get really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. It's when it's when the metaphors overlap and you're like, wait, so the painting of the sink and the sink are both elusive to something more. What the heck is the more? Mm -hmm. And that's interesting to me, you know. Um, and the humility of it, it's like passing by like, you know, it's like the street performer that's playing the guitar and they're they're good, but they've also put themselves in a way where you can just dismiss it all the way. There's like a willingness to be completely disregarded. Right. And I think most people will just walk past. We'll walk past. People will engage. Yeah. And there's something about that that I that um yeah, there's just something worth uh circling and putting a finger on with that. Um that we, I think is it. Go for it. Well, yeah. we were having a conversation earlier. One of the metaphors you just mentioned, a street performer. I was thinking about her paintings as it related to washing the dishes. And we had a little mm -hmm. discourse about that. And she was like, I hope it's more important than washing the dishes. And I was like, well, that's exactly it. Like washing the dishes as like an everyday labor. And you paint most days, right? <laughs> At least mm -hmm. every day, right? As an everyday, um, mostly unseen labor that number one is worth doing because we do not want to continue to eat off of yesterday's rotting food like it actually serves people um it's worth washing the dishes and then like when you're washing the dishes you're not like dumbly just thinking about dishes most of the time mm -hmm. you're not mm -hmm. just thinking about the sink like it's actually a conduit like where your mind will think about other things mm -hmm. um and i think good paintings at least these humble attentive paintings will do the same thing where they are important and they're like so worth doing and they are a vessel um to carry you have to carry those multiple meanings mm -hmm. um through them yeah the, the 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 object the object of the painting and then the interiority of the painting like the inner dynamism the way all the things push on each other and pull like the shape and characteristic of each gesture the images that emerge or dissolve because you had a lot of dissolving things happening in mm -hmm. your paintings so all of those things land and that is what it is but then it does what it does and that taken together necessarily alludes to more and all of that and all of that stuff has to be there for it to do that mm -hmm. and to whatever extent and so it's funny that you're like i could be i could see being like ah dishes but it's like but if we saw with clear eyes like the, the like the let's just say the dishes since you went there the dishes are like um the facilitator of meal mm -hmm. and nourishment and then they have to be redeemed so that they can continue to do what they're optimally for and so then you're you're in, there's an intimate intimacy and in cleaning and your hand gestures and, and the removal of things and the, the attentiveness um, to make sure all the stains are off all the, you know, like there is an interaction there. And in that stationary space, um, either music's playing or not and your mind or podcast is playing or not, or your mind is going somewhere and it's not disconnected, but it's right, actually like wedded out of the bodily action That's right. that you're doing. Like when you're doing household tasks, yeah. like, you kind of have a bleeding state where you're attend you're aware enough to do what you're doing yep. and still attending to other yeah. things. We shouldn't talk about this too much because then my wife's gonna expect me to do more dishes. <laughs> Laura's gonna be like, see Ryan? <laughs> like, no. Um, but no, yeah. So I mean, so what I'm trying to say then is like in a world that's inflated with excess, mm -hmm. the humility that I was trying to ground, like say like in a street performer, which is like a person could actually be quite excellent yeah. and just willing to risk being overlooked the majority of the time so that the right person finds them and has the intimate encounter. And I think painting, and especially painting in the way that I think you are, has a similar risk reward ratio. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So it, it's like to, to determine to do it and be committed fidel- the fidelity of your voice to yourself and the work is a way of, of like not chasing a trend mm-hmm. and foregoing the perceived benefits of a trend, let's say, or a, a, a contemporary idiom that is hot and people are like, you know, expressing it over and over again. And to, I've, I've known a lot of trend chasers. I could, I could say names of people that, that I have affiliated with or know of where their work literally changed overnight to look like whatever was on trend. It was mountains with like <laughs> elk horns and little cottages that were in like neo rouch pinks and blues. And then it's like, I could give you like, and then it was zombie paintings, zombie formalism and, and you know, just, you could see it and you're like, there's a, this is a person chasing a, chasing something else at the expense of painting. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think I've just over time really, and you kind of allude to like, I really admire the willingness to be missed. Because when someone finds it, then they really find something. Because like Which you're is why we're yeah. still even talking about Van Gogh. Like we can exactly. talk about him enough to dismiss him. Yeah. I dismissed him because most of my life. Because he wasn't dismissed actually. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I was like, I did the same thing people did during his lifetime. I was like, eh. Yeah. I, I got tired of seeing a starry night fifty billion again. times. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh my gosh. This painting of like this husband and wife touching, like with their mm-hmm. child between them is like, uh that's so good. Like, I, what was he, he like? He was a very sensitive observer yes. of the human condition. Holy smokes. Wow. Anyhow, but see, to, to, to say that is to risk also the, is to subject yourself to the same dismissal. Yes. That's the risk of actually really considering our history widely as then you step off of the uh, progressive train and then people can kind of poo poo you for not being progressive enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, that's why I admire. That's why I admire your work. I feel like it's honest and um, powerful in its honesty, and uh, has a chance to live longer than uh, trend chasing. So, yeah. What do you got? You got anything else? To, anything else to talk about in the mix here with the show? How, how, how do how do we think the show came together? You have any thoughts on that? Just the totality of the work and all the pieces. And well, I mean we experience that we're putting the whole show is together is like another painting in mm-hmm. itself and yeah is utter creates all sorts of surprises <laughs> and is uh like formally taxing but in that rewarding way yeah um yeah so it's like beautiful all together the way that the the sent the sentence and the connections becomes such a, a whole paragraph when you put 68 whole paintings uh, or, or however many there are like all together at once mm-hmm. um, like weaving themes in and out of one another um, so I think you walk away with a more complete um, although not cohesive not closed book complete more complete um, uh, encounter and understanding of the work than if you encountered them one at a time mm-hmm. so yeah I'm curious having seen that for the first time, um, what did this generation, like this, um, the, the work coming together in this particular way teach you about mm-hmm. what you've done? I still want to spend more time in the gallery just looking because I don't think I've fully taken it in yet. 
Um, but there were, there were surprising connections where just being there with you, Ryan, and like you, you really knew what you were doing and how to just which paintings should belong on the wall, you know, next, next to each other in a way that in my mind, they were falling into these other categories and I wasn't able to mix them up the way that you are. But when you mixed them up in that way, I was noticing things too and connections throughout that I didn't realize I was constantly doing. Mm. Like there's a lot more sun and moon references than I even realized <laughs> I was putting. And I knew I did that, but you know, just to, to notice, Oh wait, there's a moon there too. And Oh, another moon, you know, a lot of sort of repeated themes that were happening that I wasn't aware of, um, that I want to spend more time with, um, clouds, you know, mm -hmm. certain things. I, I did have a phase where clouds were, where I was making cloud paintings, but that was before these paintings. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was still doing clouds. That's amazing. Um, so certain things kind of come up again and again mm -hmm. that, that I think I'll be able to notice as I see the work all together yeah. this way. I love that. Cause clouds are like that. You can notice them or not, mm -hmm. but when you're having cloud seasons in your life where you're like, mm -hmm. the clouds are amazing. Like I'll have seasons where I'm just like, clouds are everything. Yeah. And then I'll have seasons where I'm like, I don't even care if you exist cloud. I, even know, I don't notice you. You're like hanging right there and I don't, I'm not looking, mm -hmm. but they're there, but they're there, but they're there every day. And I, I, again, like I come back to that. I just love that. Like, mm -hmm. like I think those things mean way more than I, I was willing to let them mean before mm -hmm. for fear of seeming cliche. Yeah. For fear of just b being worried about what people thought about me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just like everybody else who ever thought about clouds. They're just amazing. And if s someone just wants to paint clouds forever, I can't blame them for doing yeah. that. Mm -hmm. I think flowers are like that too. Yeah. And that was one, one encouraging conversation I had at the opening with um, uh, a, a friend I know who's, who's not an art person. And she's historically struggled looking at um, contemporary art and um, but faithfully coming back and having conversations. And um, we were looking at the piece that the cut flowers She's like, I really like that one. I was like, okay, what's going on? She's like, um, she's like, I don't really know. Maybe you could help help me. Like, what what do you see? And I was like, well, um, flowers are a very interesting thing to paint because so often they can be uh, sentimentalized, and you think you know what you're looking at so fast. You think you know. I understand flowers. Flowers are pretty. This is a pretty picture. End of story. Um, and uh, she's like, it seems very like dark. Um, she was like a little bit disturbed by that, like how the flowers were dark. Um, and I was like, yeah, it kind of, if it, it pokes at that picture of sentimentality, like makes us wonder like what else um, flowers can do. Um, and the uh, the knife bit there with the, with the dark and muddy colors and the knife, there's like some sort of like violence and death and decay happening along with these flowers. And they were so vulnerable. And we talked about like how, um, you know, human that is uh, and empathetic, like, these little bunch of cut flowers are. Mm -hmm. And she was like really touched by that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I you know as, as, as another example, it's they're, they're there, they're there every day um, yeah. as a thing to empathize with. <laughs> yeah. 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 And they, they function as metaphors in some kind of um, mysterious way. I think, yeah, flowers are easily dismissive. Like, yeah. I mean, like you just dismiss flowers. I have for sure. And uh, so like every, like everything is being re like, I'm in a, I've been in a, like about a three year state of re-enchantment to everything. Mm -hmm. um, so like I'm eagerly, we just planted our sunflower seeds and I'm like, they were like eight feet tall last year, nine feet, they were huge. Like my house sits two stories. And so like, <laughs> before I know I'm eating dinner and like, which is higher off the ground and there's like sunflowers photobombing my window mm -hmm. into my dining table. I'm mm -hmm. like, where did these come from? Yeah. Like. They're so huge. They're like, so you know, exciting. We've had so sunflowers too. And uh, yeah, you, you just get happy when you see yeah, them. Yeah, their yeah. gesture, the way they stay. 
I mean, and they're I, following the sun. Yes, like, how do they know? I, yes. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in, so I would rather have flowers than AI. Yes, that's the title of my book. No, no. I mean, so that's where I'm at. Like, I've like drawn a line. I'm like, I'm just more that way, and and I've got I've got good reasons I believe, and I'm willing to argue them in another context. AI can store information, but somehow the flowers know something. Like the the uh, flowers yes. know how to get mm-hmm. to the sun. Yep, the flowers know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's internal, it's, it's a knowledge, right. internal, it's intrinsic to the thing. It's accordant with the sun. That's a, that's a powerful, it doesn't get more powerful than that to me. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, um, what do you do next? Oh, the dastardly question. Yeah. What happens next? We'll see. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I have some thoughts about what to paint next. Um, mm-hmm. I might try a few things before I settle on, you know, yeah. focus. Um, I have some writing projects going on. Um, I have, you know, I just want to like clean up and reorganize and, and reset. Um, actually, speaking of writing projects, though, there's a magazine that I started with a group of fellow artists um, called Passing Notes. Awesome. And we are open for submissions until the end of April. So we're okay. looking for specifically um, artists who write. Okay. We're not yeah. writers ourselves. We're just artists who like to write. Yeah. And there's, we feel like there's something in there that, yeah. you know, we would like to give other people a chance to explore and, and connect with. So. Where can we find Passing Notes? Oh, uh, our website is wannapassnotes.com and our Instagram, I think, is just Passing Notes. Are we just hearing about this right now, Rachel? You've been holding out. <laughs> What's up with that? I wish I would have known about this. I got to go. following it. How did I not know that? How come you didn't talk to me about it, Sam? You gotta ask me the right question. <sighs> Gareth, did you know about this? I didn't know about this. Yeah, uh, I feel I'm, really left I'm, out. I'm looking at okay, it right now. I'm excited so. to go look this up. We'll have we'll have the information in the show notes yeah. so people can check it out. And what about finding your paintings? Where can people see your um, paintings? My website is racheljeffers.com and I'm on Instagram, Rachel Jeffers Studio. Okay. The IG. And the show is up through the summer. Mm-hmm. So if if y'all want to make a trek, if you're in Richmond, come see it. Uh, you can email us at info at shockoartspace.com. And uh, if you're coming in town from anywhere around the world, do the same info at chocolateartspace.com. And you can ask for Ryan or Gareth or Sam, and we will uh, uh, share the space with you and you can see this lovely exhibition. Um, And if you want to know more, follow us on Instagram and uh, we'll be doing some things with the show. Uh, So um, I think that's everything that we could cover as far as, as far as the exhibition goes. And uh, yeah, we'd love for eyes to come in and see it. Um, it is really, really one of the better painting shows I've seen in a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it really, really is like a top notch exhibition. Thank like, you. Really Thank impressive. you so much for this opportunity. You guys have been so welcoming and so approachable, so much more than what I've normally seen. Um, so I really appreciate your whole team. Yeah. Well, thank you. We mean a lot. That means yeah, a lot to it us. Does. It means a lot. Yeah, definitely. We, yeah, that's, yeah, we're all artists first and nobody, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we, we want better for each other. Like you making this magazine. It's like, that's the stuff that we hope for is that we would build together things that are for each other in a way that's beneficial and helpful and, and flourishing. So, um, so thank you for making all that work. I will say as a side note, you made all these paintings in like in the last three years mm-hmm. and it is really, really right. impressive. Um, and so I do think it's like, um, an incredible feat to not just make the work that you made, but there's such uh, serious involvement. Like these are, these are serious paintings. These are involved and demanding paintings. 
So like to, to, um, to bring this exhibition to bear, you know, just in closing, it's like when all the work was being unpacked, you know, I didn't know all the, <laughs> I didn't know what all the work was going to look like exactly. I was mm-hmm. comfortable with whatever it was, but it was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then I went into hyperventilation. I got to have mode. I got to have this. I got to have that. Oh, wait, that one. And it's like, that's the worst, best part about doing it, running a gallery. It's like, you have yep. to tell yourself no 900 times. Yep. And then I have to call my wife and she's like, where are we going to hang this? And I can, you know, it's like I'm running out of space. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, but I still got one anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we have a chair in our bedroom you know, that's just full of pieces that haven't been hung. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while, Callie's like, hey, we should hang art. Yeah. And I was like, you building walls? Yeah. Yeah. You got to build the house. <laughs> so yeah. We all need to buy a house together that's just for our collections. Yes. That's what yeah. I'm really convinced. We just got to buy an old house. Sounds good to me. Sheet rock it up and then we just put have art in there. Have some good large storage so we can just rotate the collection. Yes. Good to go. Okay. Well, that's what we'll talk about in the next episode. <laughs> and um, thank you all. You've been. You've been wonderful. And like we say every single time, and we actually mean it. We love you guys. You're a fantastic audience. We'll catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent, nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottle.